Welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies, feminism, and sexuality. I am your host, Chicago comic Kristen Ryan, and today we have with us Windy. <laughs> we did it! No, give it in, give it in, no, not in it. <laughs> Whitney Chitwood. <Wow. laughs> That's the first time I've done that. That's um, all right. I usually get. I've gotten. Um, I've gotten shitwood a lot when I've been brought up before. I've also gotten clithood before, which was great. Which Actually, was... that should be your new stage name. I like that. I like it too. It just I think it sets a false pretense, <laughs> you know. Well, Whitney, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, I'm just you know just just a funny gal, just a funny gal from uh, the Midwest. Um, yeah, I just moved back from L.A. because I ran out of money. I heard it's expensive out there. It's so expensive, and spots don't pay. Uh, um, well, it's just hard because everyone wants to be in movies and, and TV, mm-hmm. um, which is great. But that's not necessarily, if it's not your goal, then you're just you're throwing money at, at a dream that isn't coming to fruition, sort of. Yeah, I was talking about that with a friend recently, how stand-up comedy, it seems like it's the one industry where for so many people it's not the end game which is odd right it, and it's also the only i think it's the only job where you're constantly told how fucked up you are <laughs> too right because you have to be like oh you must have something deep and dark if you have all this hilarity inside you and the only job i've seen people have a few drinks for to get prepared you know? oh yeah pre, pre-show <laughs> ritual yeah i mean to do the job better you have to be a bit intoxicated right? i've not seen many doctors do that no well <laughs> Not good ones anyway. Or maybe good ones and you just don't maybe that's the thing, is they're so good that you just don't know. Oh yeah. They're actually oh, shit wasted. Yeah. Opening up your chest. Oh god, now I'm terrified of doctors. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Yay, horror movies. Yay. <laughs> that's uh, what this is. This is we're pitching horror movies, right? So that's that's the one. Drunk doctor. Yeah. Oh god. I don't want to see that or be in it. <laughs> no way. So yeah, you were in like the Riot Festival in LA uh-huh. and uh you toured with Eddie Pepitone. Yeah, I did a lot of shows with Ed. He was, yeah, he was great. He got me on Riot, actually. I went there um, just to do some spots in L.A. Um, and then went to see him, and he was like, you want to do the show? And I was like, yeah, nice. absolutely I do. Um, and got to do it, and it was a lot of fun. It was a big room. It was the first time I played a big room, and it went fine but I didn't know the front people loved it the mm-hmm. people in the front it just murdered with them but the people in the back it was a little I, I left them a little bit out oh. hanging you know how many how big was it um I forget the name of the venue it was probably like two, 200 250 oh wow something like that but it was a long room it was a um, movie theater so it was oh. it was long uh, cavernous and so it, it just you know lessons you learn you learn <laughs> you live and you learn yeah, well, I met Whitney, let's see, was it, oh, this summer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were doing a show together out at the Whip, and you were in town for the Comedy Expo, and yeah, we performed together at the Whip, and I saw your act, and I was like, she's so cool, I'm going to stalk her uh, until she's my friend. I know, <laughs> all aboard the friendship. It was good, it was, that show was a lot of fun, it was with JT, um, mm-hmm. and hilarious, hilarious, sweetheart, human of a man, and... That was good. There were only like there were only like six people there. <laughs> the place was packed. I don't know. What I'm you're sorry. Talking it, to about. the raft, it was it was all the way to the walls. Um, but it was so it's so good. I love those kind of shows though. Yeah, I, uh, it was really fun. I did a I, I headlined this show in in Fort Collins, Colorado, and there were you know like six people there. Um, but it was my favorite because then I could get off the stage. and I just didn't use the mic. I just got it was in in a bar and I just went 
into the crowd. And I got to do that a couple times when I was living out in LA, and that's my favorite thing to do because what we do is just a party trick, mm-hmm. basically. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, sure we say stuff and we try and change minds and all of that, but honestly, it's like the reason people get invited to parties is because they're funny or they tell good stories. And so when you can make it that intimate, I, I enjoy that a lot. That's my that's my jam. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Uh, so I'm curious, I know you're not huge on horror. I've been trying to nail you down to do this for a long time and you always wiggle out of it. And uh, But how do you feel as a, about horror as a genre in general? Um, I, hmm, let's see, I... Don't I, I appreciate it as a genre. I don't necessarily always enjoy it <laughs> as an entertainment outlet. Um, it's I think when it's done right, in my opinion of what's like right and really interesting and a great story or really good performances. I'm more of a story based kind of person that I really like key into that. Um, I, I, I can fall in love with with a movie for sure, a horror movie, but I don't necessarily seek it out. I'm not one mm-hmm. to like go see It Follows when mm-hmm. it's in theaters or anything like that. But I, I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it as a genre for sure. Cool. What's the first horror movie you remember seeing? So I was thinking about this mm-hmm. because I knew you were going to ask me and I, uh, <laughs> it was The Exorcist. Oh, that's a good one. I was maybe seven years old. I was... I grew up in musical theater, and so I was around a lot of older people. Um, and I went and stayed with, like, the cool kids, like the teenage... They weren't teenagers. They were adults. Um, but I went and stayed... They all lived in this one house, and I went and stayed with them one night. Um, and they were... They teased that they were going to show me The Exorcist, and I was like, no, no, oh my God, no, but also kind of, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, and we watched it, and I was horrified. Horrified. Really? We had to turn it off. How old oh, were you? Seven, probably. Oh. Um horrified terrified we turned it off um and i didn't sleep at all that night but i got up really early the next morning and one of the people who lived there had a dog and i got up the next morning and i got up before everyone else i've always been i've always been an early riser and the dog looked at me i was sitting in the living room the dog just looked at me and then started running like running forward but was being drugged to the side oh god to both sides, it was like sort of getting drug across the room as it was trying to run forward, like escape from something it looked like. And then it just stopped and peed and then fell over. And it didn't die. It lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have been scarred. I haven't watched. I don't think I've watched. I watched clips from The Exorcist. But since then, I just believe that it might cast spells on animals. <laughs> oh, man. But it was terrifying. That was So that was my introduction to horror movies. Yeah. Um you know, a lot of people tell me that The Exorcist is their like the movie they're most afraid of, and I remember watching it when I was little, and having this sense of like that's hilarious. <laughs> oh God! Oh, you're morbid. She peed on the rug and told everyone off. That's great. Yeah, well, she she's a badass. I mean, let's be honest. So that demon's inside her. She's a fucking badass. But I think any any sort of possession movie really fucks with me, man. Because that thought of it's the same reason why I don't like doing, like, why I don't like smoking pot or why I don't like doing drugs that last a long time. Because that thought of not having control mm. or complete mm-hmm. um, awareness of what's happening is, I, I think, terrifying. Yeah, definitely. That is a scary thing if you think about it in that frame, for sure. 
Uh, well, today for Whitney to for us to discuss Whitney chose Scream, the 1996 film about a small town, a uh, small all-American town of Woodsboro that has a serial killer in their midst. And this killer loves scary movies a little too much. The killer stalks his victims, taunts them with trivia questions, and then tears them to shreds. Everyone is suspect, and no one is safe. <laughs> Whitney, do you like scary movies? No, I don't. We already <laughs> talked about it. Don't cut me open. Please. So what made you choose Scream? Um, I remember watching that a lot when I was younger. I sort of, I would go through phases with movies, namely Robin Williams, mostly Robin Williams movies like Mrs. Doubtfire and Hook, where I would just watch them on a loop oh, and scream. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Anything. It was, uh, he was such my father figure that I longed for. And... He, uh, Scream was one of those. Was probably the only scary one that I had. Probably almost memorized. Watched so much to the point of memorization. Mm. Um, and then watching it as an adult, I'm like, I had great taste as you a did. child. Yeah. Oh man, I was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I admit, like when you said Scream, I was like, oh man, '90s. I don't know. And rewatching it, it's brilliant. It's hilarious and it's meta in the right ways. And um, yeah, it's got all the perfect point plots. Ah, oh, it's so, oh, it's so good. I love it. I love it. I watched <laughs> it. I t- I watched it, and then I uh, maybe illegally downloaded uh, the rest of the quad. What do you call four? Three's a trilogy. Four's a quadrility. We'll call it. Um, <laughs> I watched the quadrility. I there were four. Yeah, oh. the the fourth one came out in like 2011. Oh um, wow! And it's it's really funny to see because the characters are the same age but they're played by people who are closer to the because you know the 90s was like the age of (laughs) 30 year olds playing 16 year olds yeah um and it's a little more disturbing to see children dying and like ripping each other apart i think than it was just it was more palatable with adults pretending to be kids yeah drew barrymore just a fun and flirty 28 year old yeah (laughs) In high school. There's no... And that blonde wig was... Oh, God, yeah. Oh, the best. It's just so good. Oh, it's so, and it, I think it probably draws up so much nostalgia, I think, too, between the outfits and... Oh, God, yeah. That's one of the things I wrote down specifically to talk about. 90s fashion. That brown lipstick. Mm, brown lipstick and no. uh, Courtney Cox in that <laughs> highlighter <Hello>. yellow <laughs> mini skirt. I'm a suit. career lady. Look yeah. at my shoulder pads. Oh man, it was so great. I realized recently that I dress like um, I dress like a boy from the '90s. I think is what I figured yeah, like, out. Like an Amber Crombie and Finch vibe. I do. Well, I mean, that's what my <laughs> come on. That's what my best is. Oh, um, oh god, that's embarrassing. I am uh, poor, and there I actually bought. Um, I recently bought. There's. I don't know if they're called. If it's a cable knit sweater. What What's the sweater with the really thin piping? Uh, Matthew Lillard wears it. It's called a sweater. Yeah, you know, sweaters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> shit. And, um, and I bought it and I realized, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm actually like, I just want to be a Nirvana, apparently, or I think that I'm fucking... But you pull it off. It looks good. Yeah, all right. All you right. look like a no, dirty grunge of. guy. I do. I pull off the dirty grunge <laughs> man look. Well, you make it Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's weird though now how '90s stuff is coming back. Oh, for sure. I, it made me feel kind of old at first. I'm like, oh god. Uh, the chokers. 
The choker yeah, I never got on the choker Me train. Neither. Baby doll dresses. Baby doll dresses for sure. I like the Doc Martens that are back. Gotta love, oh, gotta love a Doc Martin or a combat boot. I'm mm-hmm. a sucker for a combat boot, man. I'm a dyke. I love a combat boot. <laughs> love a combat boot. Yes, definitely. Uh, so yeah, Courtney Cox's character, like, she always jumps out at me because she looks a lot like my mom. So I Really? Think, oh yeah, my mom definitely looks like Courtney Cox. And uh, so I was like, Mom? Uh, <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wrecking the news van? Is that yeah. you, Mom? <laughs> uh, but her role in this movie was really interesting to me because she was, like, it was the 90s. It was like women were just coming out of the 80s where we were allowed to have careers, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, it feels like she was almost fetishized as this career woman. You know, like, she showed mm. up in her neon <laughs> suit mm-hmm, and, like, mm-hmm. was very pushy and, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I felt that immediately with her character. Like, she's here. She's going to get the scoop. Yeah. And you didn't care for that. You didn't like the... I felt it was a little the over the top. Brashness. But the whole movie is, though, Oh, yeah, that's true. Right? Isn't that the whole... <laughs> I mean, that's the whole vibe is that there's such clear archetypes apart from the killers, mm-hmm. really. I mean, even the killer, though. Even, like, <clears throat> even Billy is, like, the Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. Sort of slimy, creepy. For sure. And oh, the hair is always greasy. Always greasy hair. And, like, the bangs. So... Oh. And always around a corner. Yeah. Climbing always, through a yeah, window. Always coming out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Just, really... Just to stab you. You know. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to be a stabber, you want to come out of nowhere. Or also pressure you for sex. <laughs> well, there's that as well. It's, okay, so I... I don't know that I can articulate this irony that well because I tried to to my mom mm-hmm. and it didn't go well. But I'm gonna give it a go. The there's the scene where she's like, "Well, will you settle for PG-13?" Oh yeah, yeah. And she shows him uh, her boobs, but we don't see her boobs. And I appreciate obviously that there's no gratuitous nudity nudity in it. Um, but I thought it was ironic that okay, so she's talking. This is gonna go horribly. Um, she's talking about getting a rating for this movie that's their life that's mm-hmm. actually a better rating by showing her boobs mm-hmm. by showing nudity but then the movie itself was rated lower because of all of the blood and gore and like they barely even got through an NC-17 rating are you serious mm-hmm. oh, it wow. took uh, one of the Weinsteins calling the NPAA or whatever the um, people are who do the ratings and just being like come on just just come on. You get it. Like, oh, it's that's a good such movie. A There's na- not that like much. Oh, inside joke. Right. It's great. And it's, but it happens all through the movie, and that's what I, oh, I freaking love it mm-hmm. about it. There's another scene, and this is kind of trivia, but there's another scene <clears throat> where she, they do this cliche, that the cliche of being in the bathroom and then hearing someone talk about you because they don't know you're there. There's oh, the yeah, two yeah. girls the who are there. Oh, yeah, yeah. the bathroom, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And then, and it's, a, and it's a cheerleader, and then her friend, and mm-hmm. it's this very obvious stereotype of this sort of uh, clear-cut thing that filmmakers often use as a, as a tool. Yeah, and the then Breakfast at the, Club showed us the way in film. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then, but at the end of the, like at the end of their, their dialogue, when they go to exit, they, their exit is so stylized and so obviously campy mm-hmm. that it sort of shines this light on, we know what we're doing. We know that this is a tool that gets overused a lot. Oh, yeah. And here we're doing it. Um, and I, it's just, it's all through, that that kind of shit's all through the movie. And it's it's just fun little Easter eggs, I think. Oh, yeah. The one I especially enjoyed, too, is when Randy was in the movie store. Mm-hmm. And he's like, 
talking about like plots of horror movies and like how it's syncing up with the acts happening mm-hmm. in our high school and then he just like it's really in depth about how you gotta murder someone <laughs> and murder yeah. women and then you see a woman behind him like her eyes get really big <laughs> yeah. and like she runs off so <laughs> good so or then the other one that I like with Randy is that there's one point where he's sitting staring at the TV yelling at Jamie Curtis to look oh yes but also not only that the killer's behind him but it's Jamie Kennedy who's playing Randy and he's screaming at the television look behind you Jamie look behind you Jamie oh my gosh yeah oh, I didn't realize his name was Jamie yeah isn't oh that God. wild yeah that's so good that's this must have been so fun to write oh God Kevin Williamson mm. wrote it who does. Dawson's Creek. Huh, did not know that. Um, and there was a there's a line in there about something about Tori Spelling would play me in the movie or oh, yeah, something. Yeah. And it's just so because I don't think I don't think uh, Aaron Spelling was a part of Dawson's Creek, and I think that they were dueling factions of teen teen oh. heartthrob stories. Any of the Spelling ones, and then Dawson's Creek. It's all. It's just there's so much. There's so much yummy. For sure. There's so many yummy things in there. Yeah. Uh, so like one of the major themes of the film I noticed between our killers is Billy and Stu like when, it, when it's finally revealed who they are it's almost as if it feels like they've been programmed by horror movies to disassociate from reality and I wonder like mm-hmm. within the plot line if they were going for like a, a nature versus nurture kind of argument with that I think they yeah oh I think they had to be um, because it it bring it I know that after the movie came out, there were like copycat, there were horrible murders that happened because of it. But I think it was, it was right on the cusp of like coming off of the whole demonic rock and roll is demons and everything's changing. When it was our cool. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Satan music, dude. Um, and I, I think that it touches on it really well that it almost sends it up in a way. Because it's so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I think it's a ridiculous concept. The pro, I mean, I think that there's, there has to be other factors apart from just seeing, just playing Grand Theft Auto and, oh, and yeah. then wanting to go out and steal a car. Although people do it. I but, watched Halloween and then I killed my neighbors. Ah. Yeah, and it can't be that. It doesn't look fun, I no. don't think. It's not... It doesn't make sense. But one thing I really enjoyed in the, talking about that idea is uh, Stu, after, you know, he he knows that the cops are coming to get him, mm-hmm. and he knows it doesn't look good, and he's talking to Sydney, and he says, my parents are going to be so yes. mad. Yes, oh, it's so perfect. It's like, oh, man. That, right. Yeah, that totally reminded me of, like, a lot of the college rape cases you see. Mm-hmm. Like, don't do this to me. Think of what it's going to do to my life if you come forward and talk about your rape. <clears throat> exactly. Oh, no. You know, it's like... Fuck that guy. <laughs> totally. And I mean, uh, apart from his character being awful, the, the, I did develop like a huge crush on Matthew Lillard ah! from from this movie. And then he was in a movie called SLC Punk. I remember that. I hated that movie. Oh, why? Oh, uh, man. It was so, again, it was another meta thing. It was such yeah. a conformist way to deliver a story of anarchy. Mm-hmm. And, like, that fueled my, like, punk rock princess, like, grade school <laughs> life, you know, like, making bracelets out of duct tape and mm-hmm. screws and stuff. But I was getting it through this uh, tunnel of, conform- like, this conformist sort of presentation of it. Mm-hmm. Ironically, I guess. Um, I 
think the lack of remorse in them is it's sort of comical to that's so dark though but it's comical to think that someone could do these heinous things Mm -hmm. these awful awful things and be so clear clearly plotting about it and it takes so much effort put forth on the front end Mm -hmm. to not have considered the repercussions to not have sort of created some fail safe if like you know someone gets an gets an idea or an inkling that it's them they had no out they Mm -hmm. were just like it'll be fine everything will work out perfectly well, yeah, even, and they went so far as to frame people. They framed uh, the guy who was in prison for Sydney's mother's death, mm-hmm. and then they were trying to frame Sydney's, was it Sydney's dad? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, not only planning on the front end, but, like, covering it up as well. Right. But then to be like, oh, man, now we're in trouble because yeah. we got <laughs> caught. <laughs> yeah. It's like you would think if they, you would think as smart as they are, they would have figured out a way to get yeah. out of it more than just stabbing each other. Definitely. Yeah, in terms of like this being set in a high school scenario, I have to say the one theme that really jumped out at me was when uh, Billy is constantly pressuring Sydney for sex mm-hmm. and like, oh, baby, I love you. Uh, and then in the movie, as soon as they have sex and do the deed, mm-hmm. it's revealed, oh, my God, Billy's the killer. And like this like struck such a chord with me because I saw so much in high school like men and boys just trying so hard to have sex and doing anything to like be mm-hmm. like pleasing and then as soon as they get the sex they turn around and are just like total assholes right yeah it was like it was a really great metaphor for that um i do appreciate though that after they have sex he's the one who gets even though he does even though they're faking it mm-hmm. that he's the one who gets killed very true yeah yeah that was a good scene but then they are faking it so mm-hmm. i don't know i don't necessarily uh um symbolically what that points to that might have been Wes Craven coming in a little bit too Mm because I know we were talking earlier but I mentioned like he was very aware of the criticism on his of his work in being uh, you know someone who's thought of as punishing actors in movies for having sex right so like in the film in a horror film, you know, if you have sex, you get murdered, and people were like, "Hey, be more sex positive, Wes." So yeah, right. In nineteen ninety, maybe that was a nod to that. Like, oh, we'll kill the guy instead. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> and we were like, like you said, we were talking earlier, and about how he wanted to get out of the horror genre because he was finding it to be too misogynistic and gratuitous. Mm-hmm. Um, and at least, I mean, I don't. This feels like. Uh, maybe patronizing but at least they don't show naked women <laughs> in this one yeah which... no i agree and i feel like a lot of horror movies jump to that but there's a lot out there that don't so mm-hmm. i think we can't lump it all in together okay maybe i'm painting with too broad yeah i guess the exorcist she was never naked <laughs> yeah you know i mean it's like typically the thrasher or slasher films that those have a lot of Right. Naked, naked. And was it Psycho that pioneered that um, trope? Ooh. It, that's a good point. Maybe. Had that, there been naked people really in No, I think that shower scene that? might have been one of... I'm going to get a ton of emails. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kristen, what about this movie? No, yeah. you didn't even think about Third <laughs> third House and the... Yeah. No, Psycho might be like the one that set the tone for that because of the shower scene with Norman and all that. Mm-hmm. 
with our mm-hmm. old buddy Norm. Yeah. And also, I think that is not to dismiss it completely also, because I think being naked represents a sense of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. It's like, you know, I'm naked a lot. I identify with that. Yeah, I like naked. <laughs> Naked's good. Do dudes get naked and killed ever? It's <laughs> a good question. I can't think of any, but I haven't seen, I don't have the vocabulary of Mm. horror, really. Yeah, you should, we should make that a Twitter campaign. (laughs) Murder naked dudes. (laughs) Oh, no. I was thinking more like tweet in your favorite naked dude. Okay, yeah, do that one. That's a better one. It's not not murder people. (laughs) (laughs) Steer clear of it. I want to wait until we get at least 100 episodes in. Yeah, before you start the live. Before I start my cult. Oh, God. Murder. (laughs) <laughs> oh man mm. my mom's really into murder really she watched snapped uh, no well maybe because that's on investigation discovery right mm-hmm. i think so there's another one about i think called wives with knives okay yeah there's my another mom loves that she shit. does yeah <laughs> my mom likes um oh what's the well she loves dateline any dateline that's and the I for predator sh- one right no mm-hmm. not the to catch a predator oh, um okay. but dateline always does like one long horror story basically hmm. but um she w- has investigation discovery on all the time so i'm sure that those have played um she leaves the tv on all of the time it's and it's a little horrifying that uh. like she falls asleep with it on and oh. then it's just playing throughout the house you know i've met a lot of people that do that um i don't quite get it but i like grew up where we always had the radio on so really yeah shut up what st- what did you like what's npr yep it was my grandpa he always had that on mm. it was nice was it a big radio too it I'm was romanticizing <laughs> it so much oh god and would you gather around and <laughs> we're not a norman, norman rockwell was there <laughs> yeah it was just like it was a nice thing and you knew someone was home then when you heard it when you walked in mm. oh god it sounds so lovely yeah remember when yeah, everybody's dead now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, they all got murdered, and then they got turned into Dateline specials. So. <laughs> but yeah, what is it about moms? My mom loves the murder shows too. I don't know. I do. It's part of the act where I talk about it. But I say, is do you reach a do you reach a point as women we're watching the story of someone else's murder from the safety of our couches, comforting, <laughs> just like it wasn't me or something. I do watch that a lot. I do like it. I don't know how to reconcile myself to the fact that I enjoy it. Yeah, I will admit I did mind my P's and Q's a lot more around my mom after I saw her DVR list. <laughs> like, oh, this is all wise and nice. Some people it's yeah. like all bachelor and all like say yes to the dress and your mom it's just like wives with knives, severed stories. Don't fuck with me, Kristen. <laughs> yeah. Like, no ma'am. No mom, I didn't. I swear. <laughs> Moms who snap and kill their daughters named Kristen. What? It seems very specific. Oh my God, there's only one show. <laughs> oh, scary. I think uh, with Scream, the other theme that really jumped out towards me uh, at the end of the movie was Courtney Cox's character and Sydney working together. And previously, they had been very, um, uh, they had an aggressive dislike for each other because the reporter had written a book about Sydney's mom's murder mm-hmm. and thought that Sydney was wrong about putting the man in jail that she did. Um, and I loved in the end that two women had to come together to murder. <laughs> yeah, to save the murder, to kill the murderer. Yeah, and I liked that idea because I think it directly confronts the idea that women must be in competition with each other, which mm-hmm. is something I 
you know, I sense a lot in my personal life and it's taken me a while as an adult to like learn how to deprogram myself from that. For but sure. It's still a component I see a lot in my life, especially in comedy, you know. Um, so I thought it was really cool that they ended on a note of like ladies working together. Well, it seems to be the best narratives are narratives of collaboration as opposed to competition. Mm-hmm. I think. I mean, just sourcing back to, and I think I'm totally ripping this off of a TED talk, but sourcing it back to like The Wizard of Oz, where she works together with these friends as opposed to it's all fight all the time. It takes them coming together to actually accomplish a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could think off the top of my head of other examples, but it seems, at least I'm drawn. To those narratives more. There's a TV show called Ink Master. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Mm-hmm. It's a, a tattoo cable, competition show. <laughs> no, I have I have my dad's Hulu password. Uh, nice. <laughs> and this is the first time there's always women on the show. Um, there's always female tattooers, obviously. Um, but there's never been more than one woman in the finale of three. Um, and this is the first time in the history of the show, it's been like nine seasons, I think. It could be five, five seasons, um, that there's two women and one guy in the finale. Ooh, progress. But, right, but they accomplished, I mean, they're all incredibly talented, but partially they accomplished it because all of the women in the competition worked together, and they all helped each other, and they mm. united, they formed a union, nice. uh, an alliance, and that's how they made it to, that's how they like, rose above the rabble of of the patriarchy i guess That's of awesome. the tattoo world um so I, I just think that it's a it's it's a much more i think you accomplish a lot more definitely in general and you know one thing i see in comedy a lot also is like women will turn on other on the idea of women in their comedy and have a subtle narrative of like women are crazy other women are stupid. And, like, I see that be rewarded and people laugh at yep. it. It's an easy laugh. But I think ultimately, you know, like you said, it's collaboration that rise, makes you rise up. Right. And I appreciate in com- I've seen... I've seen that before where it's clawing your way to the top by pulling mm-hmm. the gender down, I guess, in a way. And I think that... We, we can we can do it without it. And then even in this conversation now, it's becoming discussing like a competitive way of like you should do it this way. You should do comedy however you want. But I think that no, there's more to be. No, we should do it how we say. <laughs> yeah, we are the experts. I have a podcast. Yeah, so I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> My God. No, it's very true. You're right. But we're back from the edit. We're back from the edit. <laughs> it was a really good story, you guys. You missed it all. <laughs> I'm wondering if there's any other themes that jumped out at you in Scream. Scream theme. Scream theme. <laughs> I, there was a, I just, a billion Easter eggs are coming to mind. Um, but I did like, this is the militancy in me, I guess. I liked that there's not, every, every dude is sort of, portrayed as bumbling mm-hmm. and idiotic. I got a little bit of pleasure. Yeah, definitely. In that. Who was uh, your favorite? 
The favorite dude? Your favorite bumbling idiot. Oh, yeah. God. It's, it's Matthew Lillard. 6,000 oh, yeah. times over. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but even Henry Winkler's character. Oh, yeah. And then the co- and the, like, all the cops. It does definitely... It is... It does present a send-up of authority and the ineptitude of authority because no one there's no refuge they find refuge in each other as opposed to in the police or in the Mm -hmm. administration at their school or the adults who are never there no one's parents are ever home yeah in this town i would have liked to live there i know there's a curfew imposed and there's no parents let's have a party with booze yeah right Oh, this was also, I, so uh, there was a dichotomy of crushes in this because I forgot about Rose McGowan. Mm, I got yeah, a Rose McGowan pretty, crush from this. You know, I didn't realize it was her at first because mm-hmm. she's blonde. Mm-hmm. I uh, was pretty, for obvious reasons, was pretty into Charmed um, when I was <laughs> younger. And I had a huge crush on Alyssa Milano, so much so that I had convinced myself that we were going to get married because we both liked horses. So Aww. I was like, we're definitely going to fall in love. Yeah. The age difference means nothing. But That's then weird. one night I had a dream about Rose McGowan and for weeks was torn apart inside because I felt like I had cheated on Alyssa oh. Milano. <laughs> Did you write her a letter? <laughs> I almost did. I almost wrote her a letter apologizing <laughs> for having a dream about someone else. Aww. How old were you at this time? That was probably early teens. Okay. When did you, if, if it's not too personal, no. I was curious, when did you come out? Um, I never, mm, I never really, I grew up in theater, so mm-hmm. I had pretty liberally parents, and I never really had to. It was kind of like, eh. Do your thing. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. And you just always kind of knew within you that... Yeah, for sure. Wow, I definitely gave... I definitely gave dudes the old college try, but it's just... <laughs> you know. You know? You know? And yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, at least you can say you know now. Right, you know? exactly. Which you don't have to. If you know, you don't have to try to know. <laughs> um, more power Hindsight's to you. 2020. But, yeah. Well, that's awesome. I hope, like, in the future, more people have stories like that. And it isn't, like, you know, some horrible, tearful moment. Mm-hmm. Now, you say you grew up in theater. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. Both my parents uh, had theaters back uh, in central Illinois. That's um, so cool. Like, two theaters? Yeah, well, they were married, um, and they opened one. Uh, that was a really huge theater. It's sat, like, 1,200 people. Um, big shows had people... To professional, it was like half professional, half community theater. They would bring people down from Chicago, and then people in the community would do other roles. And then they divorced, and my mom stayed with that. And then my dad um, opened a dinner theater um, that was smaller, but then another professional thing. And so my mom left. The dinner theater didn't last as long as the the theater they started together and the theater they started together is still going now. Oh, wow. Um, but my mom left probably four, five, no, longer, like seven years ago. I think she stopped doing that. But yeah, I always was. And that's what I did for a long time too. Um, was you musical theater. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. You sing? Yeah. I've smoked a lot of cigarettes and it's ruined <laughs> it. But yeah. So now, now, I'm, now I'm jazzier. I decided. I like it. I like it. That's awesome. I had no idea you had those talents as well as being super funny. Ugh, I don't know about all that, but thank you. <laughs> so Sorry, modest. take a comp. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, say thank you. Yes, ma'am. 
Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, what were your favorite moments in this movie? Favorite moments? You start. Do you have one on deck? Well, there is one I like always jumps to mind is like, I can never even get my garage door to open, like much less have the force to kill someone. Right. That is a little, there is a little hole in that. Yeah. Well, not only the door, but. That always made me laugh. I was like, wow, they have a really good garage door opener. I think I love all any moment where like the killer gets like a beer can thrown at his dick or like he falls or something. I appreciated that the, that the murderer was like foul, was fault faulted yeah in it so any of those i think is really oh I, okay i thought of a plot hole and in the beginning when he's mer- chasing drew barrymore around and she goes outside and mm-hmm. she hides under the window mm-hmm. she looks up into the room and the and Ghostface is facing away mm-hmm. until the second she looks up he turns right around ah. so somehow he knew that she stood up right at that moment so he could turn around and scare her. that's a little bit of a hole yeah that, Oh, man, that was great. Yeah, there were so many good, like, moments in this film because you didn't know who the killer was, so there was Mm -hmm. a lot of gotcha Mm -hmm. moments. And then also, like, with everyone jumping on board to buy the mask and run around and play tricks on each other, that really added to the sense of chaos. And even when Henry Winkler's character was trying on the mask, it was like, oh, shit, is it? Is it the Fonz? Oh, my God. Fonzie, Fonzie's a murderer. (laughs) The Fonz, he says it, so when they make... There's one part where they make like the announcement that everyone be safe. He's making it over the intercom and he says, your principal loves you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're out of your damn mind. Henry Winkler. <laughs> I do like when he hits at the end when he gets hit, when Matthew Lillard gets hit in the head with the phone and he mm. says, you hit me with the phone, you dick. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Oh, then the other thing I was thinking about is like when Billy and Stu make it look like they've been attacked too. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you do that after everything else is done? Right. You think that that would be the last thing <laughs> that you wouldn't because they still had to kill her. Yeah. But then they hurt themselves. Yeah, that actually doesn't make any sense. Yeah, oh, man, your poking holes in the favorite movie. Stu was like, he kept saying like, I've lost a lot of blood, man. <laughs> you got me too deep, man, <laughs> Billy. And like, I knew it's like, I mean, this is, he's, he's a murderer and he's dying. It's not funny, but I did have a chuckle. Like, Ugh. yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. There's a lot of moments like that in this film. Uh-huh. Hmm. Anything else that jumped out at you or any final thoughts? I liked when, uh, Courtney, Courtney Cox's character says, my name's Gail Weathers. It sounds like I should be a meteorologist. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's a pretty obvious joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my question about Gail and Dewey, because like I got the sense that Gail was coming on to Dewey strictly for information, yeah, and to like further her own career. But then towards the end, you kind of felt like maybe it was blossoming into more of a real mm-hmm. relationship. What did you think about that? Definitely, they. I, I think you know she she had to get the scoop. She mm-hmm. had an inside guy, mm-hmm. and then she was like, "Oh, I'm really actually into you." Yeah. Do 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 us do do a fur whatever it is. Actually, I enjoyed his dynamic a lot between him and his sister. Mm-hmm. Like, uh... however, he doesn't seem very upset that she dies. <laughs> He's then hanging out at this. Well, I guess you don't really see the aftermath of it, but <coughs> at least in in the screen marathon that I watched. I feel like someone would be haunted after seeing their sister. Oh yeah. 
Well, like rung uh, up in a garage door. Yeah, Sydney's story is like she's still like totally overwhelmed by the death of her mother, mm-hmm. and that was just a stabbing. You know, I mean, we'll rape it. Just a stabbing. I don't want to say it like that. You know? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Edit. Uh, horrible death. <laughs> horrible. Yeah. I don't know if I can think of any other good. Mm. It's all good. It's just all so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad you picked it. It was fun to rewatch because I don't think I really, I was a teenager when it came out and I did watch it. I remember liking it, but I don't think I fully like got as much out of it as I did this time watching it as an adult. Mm-hmm. Not to call back to Mrs. Doubtfire and Hook, um, but it sort of <laughs> feels like that. Like you get things that you yeah. didn't get. You can appreciate it as a little ignorant human. And then once you have the knowledge of the world, yeah, then... Man. Then you get a lot more. What's your, what was the first, have you talked about what the first movie was that you saw before? Uh, yeah, you know, the first one I really remember seeing is uh, Blood Sucking Freaks and then Attack of the Killer Tomatoes too in there. And my grandpa had a, a video store when I was little. Shut and up. after school I would go to his video store and hang out until my parents were done with work. Oh God, it's like Superstar. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> and we watched horror movies as long as I didn't tell anyone. And it was cool. Oh, God. <laughs> you, you listen to an NPR program and then you watch people get murdered. It's so sweet. Oh, God. Act one. <laughs> people murdering. I guess that wasn't on then, but just pretend. No, yeah, it was a nice it was a nice way to spend an afternoon. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so I'm expecting this to air December 6th. Okay. And I was wondering... What uh, what would you like to plug? What's going on? Uh, plug, pluggy plugs. Um, <clears throat> I did a show for MoveOn.org. Oh yeah, it's so great. You need to check it out. That would, yeah, so watch that and get them get them views up. Um, it's mm. what's going to land me in a in an artist camp. Ooh, what for, is? No, like be careful with where, Trump around. Exactly. I don't want you going to a camp. That's where Trump's going to send me. Is <laughs> but I won't camp. even get to go to like a cool like like work camp after it either I because okay, I'm not cool. famous enough to like be hanging out with Stephen Colbert and Samantha B. it'd just be like be the these... B-level camp not even I'd be like in the D-level it'd be like, like Stephen Trump's old driver and and, this... and that lady from the progressive commercials yeah Flo yeah oh, you represent a company that's titled progressive put her in a camp yeah um, just that and then I'm if I can solicit, I'm going to start doing uh, sex advice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, like email So I'm trying to, um, on my website, WhitneyChitwood.com, I'm going to create the landing page for it as one of like little guys, and then I'm going to just answer questions every week. Um, so if anyone wants to send me questions, because I need to start compiling them, obviously, um, mm-hmm. just uh, hit me up on the, the, face, the Facebook uh, um, <laughs> Or, or I guess, I guess email me. They're just Facebook. Do Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there contact on your website too? Yeah. 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 yeah mm-hmm. You should check out her website. I like all the clips on it. It's WhitneyChitwood.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. And uh, my dog's all over it. She's mm-hmm. my, <laughs> she's my agent. <laughs> Send all your emails to Whitney Chitwood's dog. Yep. Ukulele is her name. <laughs> uh, there's actually, I still have it on there. Uh, before I got my manager, there's a, there's a tab on there for booking to click and send and it like creates an email thing. And I created a, I created an email address called, 
and it was uh, pupsforperformers at gmail.com is what it went to because the whole conceit of the website was that the dog ran my career. I like that. I like it a lot. And I actually don't think I remember the password. That email could actually be filled with... All these bookings. I know that I'm just missing, yeah, missing out on because on I don't America's remember the got password. Talent already. Oh, you got to fire your dog, man. <laughs> well, she it's it's the lack of thumbs. <laughs> I think that's really holding me back. I need a thumb. <laughs> My manager now has thumbs, so that that was the big step up was nice. to get a get a non de-thumbed manager. <laughs> Moving on up. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, anything else you want to plug? No, thank you so much for having me. It's been super fun to have you, and I'm glad to have you in Chicago. I am plotting to get you to move here. Yeah, I'm going to make it happen. Yes. Uh, Well, that's been Whitney Chitwood. I've been Kristen Ryan, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Yeah.